0: As some of you know, uh, June is Susan month in a way. Last month we had Susan L. Uh, last week we had Susan L. And this week we have Susan G. Opening up with Susan G. <laughs> Hi, I'm Susan Compulsive Overeat. Some of you I know, some of you I don't know. And um, but the good thing is, even if I don't know your first name, I think we're all here for the same common reason, and that's today to not eat addictively or compulsively, or you know. Believe you know there'd be purging or whatever anyway just to get numbers out of the way i'm passing around some pictures that some of you have seen um i've been in programs for just actually figuring out six years ten months and three weeks I'm getting out the chips i was like <laughs> so um i my top weight that i know of because it was the last time i saw the scale was 250 pounds and I wore a size 26 dress, which I'm beautifully modeling in there. <laughs> and, uh, I have been maintaining a constant weight loss of 110 pounds for about three years, and before that, You'll see there's one picture in there when I was too thin. And that wasn't an intentional thing, just, you know, I think I screwed with my body so much that all of a sudden my metabolism really sped up. And for a while I was, like, down at 118 and around there. And if you can believe it, I couldn't eat enough food to get weight on me. And then over over the years um, it did, you know, just work its way through. And when I had um, knee replacement surgery three years ago and spent um, six weeks in bed, it seemed to hit that place. Um, That's where I've been ever since, so there you go. Okay, so what can I tell you? Well, what I can tell you is that close to seven years ago, I never thought I'd been sharing a night with all of you. Um, because, you know, like nobody else who walks in here, I thought I had it all going on and I didn't need to be with those people. Um, I came to my, I moved here from England in 1982 because I was going to move away from all those people, places, and things who made me eat, who made me fat, who really annoyed me and aggravated me. And funny thing, I came came on the plane, I got off the plane, and suddenly I looked in the mirror, and, you know, whoop, there it still all was, and all those feelings. Um, plus, you move to America, and your food portions are this big, your sandwiches are like doorsteps, they're this big, and for 24 hours a day, you can just eat, you can just drive through, and I don't know if you know, but eating in the car is empty calories, going through a drive through that's free food, free points, whatever it is you do, that was free. Um, I have had a food addiction all my life I, I was born with it and it's definitely other people in my family do you know adhere to that too um that's why I have a picture in there with my grandmother when I was a year old and you can see I definitely was you know a little bit plump um when you're one it's cute and they think you're a taller well I was taller but kept growing that way um when I was at home I couldn't eat the extent that I wanted to because it had to end there I was in the house the, the shops closed there wasn't anywhere to drive through and I was being watched like a hawk and my food addiction was definitely the center the core of our family I mean a lot revolved around that Because when I was eating, I was an absolute tornado. I was always on to somebody for picking on me, blaming me for something. And when I was dieting, I was always so uptight, so uptight. I took diet pills. I think I went to our general doctor when I was about 14 or 15, and they gave me diet pills. And I didn't like them because I actually, not that I was ever truly hungry, but there was that feeling when I wanted to eat, and yet I couldn't eat, and yet I wanted to. And, of course, being an addict, I still did. Um, I think that food was my drug of choice because it was very easily accessible from a young age. I, you know, i very naive. I didn't find drugs in the school playground, those kind of things. I didn't really discover them until I moved here. I, um, not that I'm so pretty, but, you know, my little private girls' school in London, got, nobody was dealing drugs that I know of because um, I probably would have found them. So I think food was just the thing that just got me. Um, So anyway, so I moved here, and I came to my first OA meeting in 1983 in the OA office in the Valley in Derby. And I walked in, and it was, didn't even have my toe in the door. I decided it was not for me. I didn't even really know what it was all about, but it wasn't for me. Um, In the form that John had me fill out, it said something about, um, if you, you're different or something. And I was laughing because, of course, yes, I wanted to be different. I wanted to be totally unique. I wanted to be that one person who could find that diet and be the one who could just do it because I got good grades in school. I had great friends. I had this. I had that. This was only food. Why couldn't I just stop eating it? And everybody around me would say, just stop eating. So, you know, you're programmed in. Just stop eating. So I went to this OA meeting meeting. And I have no idea what was going on. Did they read the steps? I have no idea because I sat in the back, like where that sink is, and I sat up on a counter. I have no idea how I hauled myself up there. And I sat there like this. And I just looked around the room, and screw all of you, and I just saw large people, and I would rather go and give. You know, a thousand dollars to Optifast and watch my hair go down the sink and be unhealthy. I'd rather have my mouth wired, have a gastric bubble inserted, all these ridiculous things, all these people who I gave my money to, or you know, go and see pretty little girls at Nutrisystem who were on vacation from high school.
1: They would there!
0: if if I stood next to them, you know, it would just come off. You know, I just didn't want to do it. I was always the queen of the dieters at well, Weight Watchers. I always lost the most at Optifast. I think the first week I did it, I lost. 13 pounds, and I did it at the same time that Oprah did, so I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And I used to, I can't believe the things I did talk about willing to go to any lengths they gave you at the time, because this was a long time ago, I guess this must have been in the late 80s, and they gave you this liquid potassium to drink. Oh. Disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. And I still, I kept watching my hair falling out. I'm thinking, well, I'll be thin. What difference does it make? I mean, who goes and gets their mouth wired shut illegally by a dentist in their home and then drives home and figures out how you can stick things in the back? Hasn't wired for three months and doesn't lose a pound. <laughs> Me. Um, so these were the lengths I was willing to go to. I just wanted to be thin because when I got thin then my life was really going to begin. I had a good job. I had all of this. Again, I was told, well, when you're thin, when you're thin. So I kept on. I had, like, this long laundry list, and half of them, I could not even tell you what they are now, but I know I haven't done them. Um, and so what I'm very clear about today is that this is where I need to be, whether this meeting be at midnight on a Saturday night or at 6 in the morning. I have an addiction to food and Giving service to myself and to others is, you know, just a wonderful thing, and it's so fulfilling, and it's giving back what I have so graciously been given, and I'm glad that I finally, like, tuned into the right station, you know, like, I turned the volume up, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm very clear today, you know, this disease will never, ever go away, you know, the sun and the moon. The sun rises, the moon goes down, one sets, one comes up. And that's what my disease is like. It's always there. It's always waiting. You know, I love one of the first things that I'm sure we're all told, you know, your disease is doing push-ups in the next room. It's always ready to come in. And it's, you know, it's no different, you know. And I've learned how to live life on life's terms on those days when maybe there's too much traffic on the freeway. Going up the streets of the Cheesecake Factory isn't going to change that. But today, you know, I have different tools for life than I wasn't shown before. You know, diets didn't. God bless you. Just sneezing on the truth. Um, the other thing, you know, the other places where I went, you know, I did therapy. I took Kabbalah classes. I went to yoga. I went on an ashram. I cleaned toilets in the ashram. I mean, I tried it. I was so willing, but. just, don't make me put the fork down. And that was the bottom line. I didn't want to stop eating. I wanted this, but I didn't want to do any work. I didn't want to do any work because it just was like, eesh, Um And I would go to therapy for short periods, and all they wanted to talk about was the past. the past And that looking in the rearview rear view mirror just led me to the next drive-through. It was very, very painful. I needed to learn how to live today on life's terms without keep on turning the book backwards. I want to know how to go forward and not always punish myself for various things. So periodically over the years, you know, in between the mouth wiring and all the other insanity, the 12 steps just kept on coming into my life, and I know today that that was God taking care of me and gently guiding me and bringing me here when I was truly ready to listen, you know, when the noise had gotten too loud. And, you know, I would lose my weight, and my wildest dream was to be the true weight on my driver's license, which I always, I always used to put down on 150, and these people would look at me, and, I mean, I did not look 150, and they'd go, your weight? i go, yeah and I would just stand there, and I would be sweating, and they'd go, I see, and that was it. My wildest dream was just to do that, but you know what? Even then, when I would hit always that magic point, it was never enough, and today, I'm below that number, and I don't even think about the number anymore, because my life is so much bigger than my food plan, you know, I have my absence, and I have a food plan, and there's so much time in between. I didn't know there was so much time in between meals because I, I did everything, running errands, whatever I did, meeting you for coffee, going to the gym, which I did obsessively. I did it all in between, you know, where could I stop for this, where could I stop for that. It was all about well, if I burn this many calories, I can do this, I can do that. So I... Um, I moved here, I got my green card, my life was great, blah, 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 made loads of friends. I'm not somebody who's ever isolated from my disease, I will tell you that. I've always gotten dressed up, gone out, been very Susie social all my life. Um, So that, you know, that part of it was not my story. I come from a big family, we have big personalities, I'm the oldest of seven children, so I don't think I really had, you know, time to isolate either way, but it's just not my way anyway. Um... So I went to work in 1990 at a law firm, and in the group I was in, there was this really, the paralegal, she was lovely, she was from Texas, the whole American vision with the blonde hair, the blue eyes, and she she had this thing about her that I really, really liked, and one of the things was she never got frazzled. We could be on the biggest deadline, lawyers can be yelling, screaming, sorry if anyone's a lawyer, but they tend to do that, and Annie would never, ever just rise, she would just stay at that even simmer, you know, and I would always get a little bit, oh, and need something to take the edge off, which was always a bite of something because I was raised with a lot of yelling and screaming and I didn't do very well when temperature gauges rose because I didn't know what to do, so I would go to what was comfortable and that was just putting something in my mouth. Not that it felt good when I did it, but I just didn't know what else to do again. I didn't have those skills. And so I used to eat lunch with Annie every day and I was always on a diet. And one day I just asked her how come she was the way she was. She also came, she had stepmothers, this, that, half brothers, half sisters been in that relationships and she said to me I'm in a twelve step programme. I'm you know, I am an alcoholic and I'm in recovery. Well, me being me at the time, I thought I was going to back my chair out the door. I mean, I, I just didn't know how to react. I mean, this girl was not the vision of who I thought an alcoholic was because I'd heard of AA and I knew they had recovery. But Annie dressed in her, you know, gorgeous suit and her this and her that. She's in AA. This was, you know, foreign to me. And she then proceeded to tell me that they had meetings for people like me as well. Mm-hmm. So as my chair was backing out, the door near me rocked over and I went, Okay, and I knew, of course, I knew because I had been there in 1983. You know, and I knew about that program, and I said, you know, well, I've been to those meetings. She said, oh, really? How many times did you go? <laughs> well, I just went once. You know, I, I don't know that that was for me. And she said, well, you know, I'm sure like in AA they have these questions. Did you ever did you ever pick that up and answer those? No, but you know, I bought that blue book that they had. <laughs> she goes, really? How'd you like it? <laughs> I so well, I didn't actually read it. And she said, oh, because you know me, I just felt bad to leave the room because so I thought buying a book. Um, so she said, well, I'll go with you to a meeting. And I said, oh, okay, I'm sure we can do that. And she said, well, when would you like to go? And I said, well, we'd have to find out when they are. And she said, oh, we can find that out very easily. People have, you know, web pages, blah, blah, blah. I can find out there's some women I'm in program with. I know they go to a food program crap i can't get this one so i remember we went to some meeting actually down in santa monica down at the beach it was kind of bizarre it was at somebody's house It it was kind of weird it was a little bit uncomfortable um and again i wasn't ready i wasn't ready i was in judgment of everybody else in the room checking out their bodies everybody wasn't thin so that meant it didn't work didn't work if you weren't all thin and i knew how to do that on my own I knew how to gain and lose weight like this. I mean, it wasn't even a peak and a valley. It was woo, woo I mean, my clothes, and the minute I started the diet, I bought the clothes for the end of the diet. <laughs> that There was no in-between, no in-between. But then I would go on these diets where you would literally lose such vast amount of weight that I could do that. And then my friends would tell you they could see me like a month later, and I had blown up again. Um, and especially when you do pills and shots and all of those things I think that happens all the more and every time with 10 more pounds, 10 more pounds, 10 more pounds and then of course the other five because I was so pissed off that this had happened one more time I mean I spent $1,000 this time, I spent 1500 this time I spent 2000 how could this have happened? And I was in such denial I mean when I had my mouth unwired and I weighed myself I was really annoyed that I hadn't lost any weight Despite the fact of how many chocolates I would eat during the day, I was truly annoyed. I mean, I just didn't get it. Um, So anyway, so I went with Annie to this meeting, and I remember that I liked it a little bit more, but again, I wasn't quite willing. And then not long after that, because I came into program in 98, I started going, like, sitting in the back of rooms, you know, and, like, kind of sneaking out. And I can remember one time some woman said to me, Hi, I've seen you a few times. Do you have a sponsor? Just well I'll help you and I'm like oh. I said, oh, that's really nice, okay, well, I'll call you, she goes, no, why don't we get started now, and I'm just beside myself, and I said, well, you know, I really don't know if, if this is for me, and she said, well, you know, do you, do you think you're a compulsive overeater, and I said, well, I'm not really sure, I think I just haven't found the right diet, and she said, oh, really, and so, she said to me, well, you know, do you have the big book, and by now, I've got to tell you, I had like five or six of them, because every meeting I would go to, I would buy one, I felt like you had to, so I would buy all of these big books of which now I have and I read and um I went and she said to me okay you know this is the time you're going to call me and you're going to write this and you're going to do that and I did it and then she said to me and she was very into the food part and she said well if you do you know, this is how I want you to eat. And I said, okay. She was saying, She was then She'd lost her weight, so okay, I could ha- I could hang with her for a little bit. <laughs> but then she said to me, you know, if you don't stick to the food plan and three times in a row, I I can't help you. So it was great. <laughs> fantastic so we know what I did and I mean really who tells an addict if you pick up I can't help you well when you don't want to be helped and you're new of course so I did that and I went on my merry way and then um so in about 1997 probably 1996 yeah, you know, my life was good. In the meantime, I purchased a home. I've had loads of tumultuous relationships every time I've lost weight. Um, and each time those would send me into a binge. And periodically again, I would go to the meetings or I would meet people who were in AA and they would ask me if I would go and give them a cake. So I started to pay a little bit more attention and suddenly I knew all of the 12 steps. I'm thinking, well, if I can just learn this stuff and find out what goes on in there, I'm going to be okay, because I just need to get the correct ingredients for the recipe, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's all you need to do, so I would flip through your book every now and again, um, and always kind of looking, you know, where was the magic, where was the magic, Good. and so I started to go, you know, more regularly to AA meetings, I don't have a problem with alcohol, but just because I felt like, well, nobody over to me, you know, because they didn't, so it was like I could listen, so I learned all the steps off by heart, so I thought, okay, that's really good, I'm doing that, and I started listening more to the traditions, and I would clap, and I would say the prayers, and all that stuff, and just by the way, I kept on eating, didn't change any of that. Then in about 1997 a good friend of mine moved to Florida and she got into program there and she was close to 300 pounds at the time and every time I would see her she had lost weight and unlike me, she hadn't yo-yoed and gone up and down, up and down, up and down and she was the girl who had taken me to my first OA meeting and there was something different about her she had that peace and that look that Annie had had in her eyes when I first met her that was so attractive so I said to her, you know what are you doing? And she said, well, you know, I've gone into 12-step recovery, remember when we went? And I said, oh, yeah, like in that room where we went. She said, yeah. I said, so tell me, why are you eating? You know, because I know there isn't any, there's no diet in that book of theirs. And she said, well, no, Suze, you know, it's more than that, it's spirituality. So I'm doing my yoga, I'm going to Kabbalah, you know, I've got all of that down because, you know, I put God on the payroll every Sunday night, I forgot to mention that, Um, we chatted every Sunday night and by Monday morning, you know, I'd forgotten all the promises and all the wishes and everything else, Um, so she told me, you know, it's more than that, you need to have a sponsor and you need to work it through, and I said, well, I tried that, it just didn't work, so we tried it for two minutes, I said, no, really, it was three days. It wasn't uh, many more minutes than two. And she said, well, you know, I really think, I don't know that I'd be helping you by telling you what I was eating. Really pissed me off. And anyway, I got the food plan because she gave it to somebody else who put it on their fridge, so... If I come learn those 12 steps, you know, I could learn that little food plan. And I start to lose my weight again. And what I've realized from doing work in here was one of the things that never worked for me was when I got down to here, which has been 9 trillion times, sin is loud. The world is very, very busy and very loud when you don't have a fellowship around you of people you can talk to who understand you. A sponsor who you work with when you work the 12 steps when you truly admit that you're powerless and each time I dieted I wasn't admitting I was powerless I was trying to be more in control because this time I was going to find the thing I was going to control it and I was going to be okay First word, first step, we. There is no I, Susan, I can do this. I am totally unique and different to all of you. So I've come to realize that thin was loud, and that's why it didn't work for me. So I had to eat to have the calm, the quiet, the shush. You know, it got quieter. And I didn't know what to do with myself when I was in a thinner body, unless I was out there shopping, so then I would charge up credit cards. Then I would this, then I would that. Or You know, it was always something, always something I had to be doing, because I just didn't know how to sit and be on my own. Um, I just wasn't comfortable with myself. So this time, you know, I went away to England I was home for, I think, two weeks, and I think I gained close to 15, 20 pounds, because I can tell you that the jeans that I went in, I came home and exercise clothes, and my jeans were, like, this far apart, um, and I truly believe that I had my spiritual awakening to get me to make, you know, the truest phone call to come into program in Heathrow Airport. If you can believe that, I was standing there and I was on a British Airways flight. And my flight was completely overbooked, which I never understand how they do that. I had a seat, but they were there was it was so so overbooked that they were offering you know more than the free night hotel and more than that it was like a free night here and a night here and a business class ticket. I mean, it was really you know very. Sexy. for anybody with any kind of addictive behavior you know we always want the prize or I for myself I know I always want to win and want the prize um and I can remember standing there with my dad and he said well, why don't you do that and I said I can't I just have to go because I knew I was in trouble I was going up the scale again I knew if I stayed one more night there was one more night of huge amounts of food because that is me I'm a quantities girl Um, there are certain foods that are in my absence because when I did my food history I can see what the main ingredient was in all of them but I am into quantities and that's why today I still when I'm at home I weigh and measure my food I have to I have eaten a whole Thanksgiving turkey on my own and I'm not lying to you it happened to me in England it was a very scary experience because I didn't realize I had done it I just kept picking all day all day all day And then suddenly there was a carcass. And that was, I was probably, I think it was like 19, and that was the first time I could remember actually feeling fear, being gripped by fear and thinking, I think there really might be something wrong with me, but being, who could I tell that to? You know, how can you say to somebody, I've eaten this huge family-sized turkey, I, I, I don't know what to do about that. That's really, that's not something they discussed in Weight Watchers meetings. And it's definitely too embarrassing to tell anybody. So anyway, so I got on that plane, I came back, and I called this girl who was in Florida, and I said, you know, I'm ready to do this. And she said, well, you know, I said, I know. I said, just give me the number of your sponsorship. There's a time difference. And I was in such a panic. I didn't want to come into any of these rooms and have to wait. You know, another 24 hours to find a meeting that would fit into my life. I knew me well enough. I knew I just needed to make a phone call. And she had the physical results. And, of course, I wasn't understanding what the internal were going to be at that point. And I was scared about the physical because the truth is 250 and size 26 clothing was not the end of my story. And I know that today. That's the thing. I would bypass those clothes in five minutes. Five minutes. Um, So I made a phone call to this woman, and she said, well, I just don't know. It's so long distance, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'll send you my photos, whatever you want. You can see me, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, I really begged her. And she started taking my calls at night, and then they changed it in the mornings, and we worked together for several years. And that was the first time that I could really hear somebody who had come from the numbers I had come to and explained to me the differences in her life. And that was... What started working for me in here is each of you knew me or you sat and talked to me and just told me your experience, of strength and hope, and actually gave me hope because it was like, Wow, if I told somebody in here I ate a whole turkey, they're not gonna sit back and you know, walk backwards out of the room. They're gonna go, Yeah, I know, isn't that amazing? And not amazing, like, wow, how could you do that? But where we go, what the this ease of this disease does to us. I mean, it's t- I mean Vegetables, fruit, it doesn't matter. It's food. I have an addiction. I can go for it. it. It's just, it doesn't make any difference at all. So I worked with this woman for a couple of years, and it's, you know, she really helped me through that food part. And then I switched sponsors to somebody who really started turning me more to God and how to claim my own recovery. And when I, your love, because when I did finally read the big book, of course I stayed up one night and read the whole thing. Because like I had read those 12 steps, I was still going to learn your book. Because in the back of my mind, for as fearful as I was in Heathrow Airport, you know, my ego and my arrogance had returned by the time I got back to Encino, California. and thinking, okay, I'll find this woman. You work with the sponsor thing and then you get to know the magic. Be gone. That's still what I was thinking. So, you know, I still wasn't quite powerless. I still wasn't quite there, you know, because our ego is so huge to let you in. And so I started work. So I did that. I lost the weight pretty quickly. That was fine because, you know, when you start eating the appropriate portions of food, you know, it's pretty amazing what will happen. And, you know, after the first day of doing that, honestly, I can truly tell you that I had a different peace than I'd ever had before when I was on a diet. When I was on a diet, it was always an emergency situation. I was going to a wedding. I was going on a cruise. My family was coming. It was always something that I had to be, you know, I had to comply with it because I had somewhere to go. And this was the first time that I really didn't. And that day, you know, she told me the day before that I was going to commit my food to her in the morning. I said, "Mm mm-mm okay and she said so you know decide what you're going to have tonight she said you know pack your lunch for work or whatever and she recommended this is her thing she said try not to eat out too much in the first 30 days just to you know really get yourself together go to as many meetings and I can remember saying to her because I started in August my birthday was in September I said, this is great but on my birthday I just need to tell you I won't be able to do this and she said why is that and I said, well, you know, on your birthday, you have cake. And she said, oh, she said, well, I haven't had cake in like 15, 16 years. I'm thinking, yeah, great for me, yeah. I'm off to the Cheesecake Factory, you know. And she said, well, you know what? She said, in the way I live my life today, I do it 24 hours at a time, one day at a time. So, closer to your birthday, she was work six weeks away. Why don't we talk about it then? So, I thought, that was reasonable. And I have to tell you that a year later... She said to me, do you remember, and I had completely forgotten, I had completely forgotten and I have to tell you, each birthday comes by and a piece of cake is not the thought because I wouldn't trade my life in today for any of this, for that craziness and though all the stuff and all the dieting i mean my life is so big and so full today because i don't have to struggle and wrestle with food every single minute of the day which is really what i was doing it was that constant well if i eat this then if i go to the gym and i do this this and this will be that and then i could do this and then i could do that i don't have to lie down on the bed anymore and do up my jeans with a hanger i you know i don't have to think You know, well, if I do here, and then I go there, and what outfit will I wear? Oh, and cancelling plans, that was another huge thing. Because sometimes it would come to the day, and I I had nothing to wear. And I was so embarrassed to see you, because two weeks before, I had these cute little outfits, and they didn't work. So, you know, today where I'm at is, I know clearly who I am. I have a food addiction, and it's never going to go away. Again, like the sun and the moon, it's going to be with me there every single day. But one day at a time, I'm with... The work that I do, it can be arrested just one day at a time. You know, I've worked hard on ego reduction, and it's okay being on the bus. You know, I can tell you when I first came into program, you know, they used to say, just get on the bus and be one of many. I was in the front row. I am sitting on the bus with all of you. Mm -hmm. Front row, front row. And I can tell you that in the first... I'd say three years of my absence, it was still all about the diet. Guess what size clothes I'm wearing? I mean, I'd never been in single-digit clothes. I mean, you know, really, that, that was huge. I used to go into regular-sized clothing stores when I was large, and they'd say, buy a gift for somebody. Mm-hmm. I used to be mortified. I've had my stomach pattern been asked, when are you due? And it happened more than once. I said, oh, in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? I, I, I never used the word fat about myself, but I was fat. I wasn't large. I wasn't big. I mean, I I think 250 is definitely obese. Um, I could never have said those things then. I, I just wouldn't have had the humility. But in here, it's very, very safe to tell you that. And I know that that person is still inside of here. And if I let go of God and if I become me, I, Susan, on my own instead of we with all of you, those clothes are coming back. Not as pretty as they were in the 80s. One of my sponsees told me my hair would like Beetlejuice in those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the juice hair? I go, what does do? I don't know. My head curls a lot. I don't know. She's a very juice. I'm like, okay. Um, but you know what? I know that that isn't the end of the story and that's the scary thing. And I don't know if I could come back. I don't know if I'd have that humility. What happens if it didn't work this time? So, you know, I'm very diligent and always remembering we. You know, it's like every single day I weigh and measure my food, reading, writing, praying. I... I'm very anal on all my little things that my sponsor gives me to do. I do my writing. I make my phone calls. I give service. I love sponsoring people. You know, my phone calls, it's like I have a meeting every single morning in my house, all the phone calls that I get. And from my sponsees, I also learn so much from their experience. And I just get to listen and be there and know that I don't have to solve their problems. All I can do is share with them what I've, you know, been told here and if I don't have the experience. I'm quite open to say that, you know. I know what steps tell me to do, but you know, there's also other things that we need. I know what the big book tells me to do, and I, you know, I try and live that way. I know that I have that manifestation of analogy. I know, you know, for me, my food has to be like sobriety is. There are no ifs, ands, and buts. I' a screw on the lid, and that's that. You know, birthdays or whenever, it can't be any different because I know the truth. I just know, and I would never have, you know. Even though I said never so, I said that, I think I truly always wanted to be saying that because I was always looking to solve it. If I hadn't have wanted to know who I was, I don't think I would have been going to all the therapists and all the places, you know, looking for the answers. Um, so, you know, so if you are struggling today, you know, just keep on coming back, keep on coming back a little bit more frequently than I did. Um, and, you know, I don't know, I know that some people you know, have eating situations that are sometimes situational. Mine wasn't. It was, it was constant for thirty eight years of my life. And I can tell you for the last six and a half plus I haven't had that constant fight. I gather bed in the morning, I know what the plan is. I still write down my food by the way. It's much easier for me. And even if I'm going out for a meal with you, I'll write abstinent meal like tonight so I'm going out for dinner with my dad. I've already checked out the menu online. I go, I I don't need to, you know, browse. It's like I go in the supermarket now. I know my aisles. Those center aisles, they're not my business. They are not my business. They used to be, but they aren't anymore. And, you know, one of the things as well that I want to share is what was very scary when I was talking about the spiritual awakening was the food had actually stopped working for me. I didn't know what to eat anymore to make me feel good. And those center aisles, but those are my peeps down there, Centre Isle. <laughs> that cold stuff and me, you know, it was a very special relationship. Mm-hmm. And I would just stand there. It didn't matter whether it was Ben and Jerry and the boys or, you know, whatever make was out there. It didn't work anymore. So I said I used to go to go and binge and I used to leave the toilet paper. So I have a large collection of toilet paper and big books. Mm-hmm. All when you know, when I just wasn't willing to say, I need help. And somebody else would say, we can help you. Because that was the thing. I could have kept trying to help myself forever. And we can, you know, we can see the end result. It just didn't work. It doesn't matter how pretty I did my makeup, what my hair looked like, how much my outfits cost. It didn't make any difference. I was miserable inside. I was suffering and I didn't know. And the the only way that has helped me is by following the path that's in here. And, you know, reading The doctor's opinion was one of the turning points for me, too. That really, really helped. That manifestation of an allergy. And that's what I had, because I couldn't understand why one bite was never enough. And it will never be enough. That's the main thing for me to remember is one will never, ever work. A taste doesn't work for me. We went out for dinner last night with my family, and they were all getting a dessert show. There was five people at the table. And he went to give me a fork the way to him. I said, no, no, I'm fine. I'm just simple. He said, all the women tell me that. And my dad looked and said, no, but she really means it. he goes, really? And I said, yeah, you can. I said, you can leave me a fork, but it will be clean. And you know what? I don't feel different anymore today. Because, you know, I feel good. I'm there for the company. I'm present. You know, I can eat like a lady now. I can put my fork down in between. I don't have to be embarrassed that, you know, I'm this large woman ordering all this food and saying, diet, dressing, please. You know, that isn't my story, but you know that's what we all do, you know, or eating tiny quantities with you and not just dying to leave so I could drive through in and out and have my real meal. I don't have that today. So, anyway, so I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing because I like my life, which keeps on getting bigger and better and as good as I thought it was before, which there are certain aspects of it weren't awful. It definitely is, you know, a lot sunnier place to live in today. So, I think that's it. Now you're allowed to ask me questions. <laughs> if you don't have any, that's okay too. Yes? Um, you said that you want to keep on doing what you're doing today. You mentioned that it's reading, writing. Do you want to put some things you're doing? Yes, yes. She asked me to mention more about what I do on a daily basis, I guess. Um, I was saying reading, reading writing, praying. And so at night for me, especially during the week, I always decide what my food is for the next day. My breakfast has been the same now for years. I'm a total oatmeal girl. Um, So I do that. I'm big on planning my food more or less a week in advance. I take most of my lunches to work They've all my little Tupperwares lined up, Sunday's chopping salad day. So I do that. I like to get that out of the way because every night when I come home, I don't want to be doing it. I don't want to be standing there with my head in the fridge door and my bum poking out you know I just don't want to do that so I do that I read um in the morning I read from Voices of Recovery um I right now for me I'm working on um Dr. Harry Thibault's papers the collected writings he's um featured in um AA Comes of Age and it's a lot about the ego and um addiction and, you know, what goes on for us, and I'm actually going through the book a second time, it's, it's fascinating, um, so I do that in the morning, I do anywhere from 20 minutes to 30 minutes of meditation, depending on if I get my bum out of bed in time, um, I take sponsee calls, I make calls during the day, I speak to my sponsor three times a week, and if I, you know, and I've let people in here get to know me, so I have, you know, my God squad, so I have people I can call if I'm having an uncomfortable feeling, or just if I want to chat about something, they know me enough to know what's going going on for me so basically that's what I do you know each day and like tonight when I get home I'll put I don't write my food anymore I do it in my compiler and I'll put down what I did for dinner because I just want to be honest about what I did have so you know the abstinent will change to abstinent with and then you know what I had and that will be that so I hope that yeah hi I was wondering about dating a relationship or how that <laughs> 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 work it's okay dating and relationships okay well, i hate the internet just so you know <laughs> um okay let well, it's definitely changed my behavior has gotten a lot better um it's i've worked on a lot of body image issues definitely and this year i have done a lot and i went to a women's retreat this year where i had to do this whole exercise that i did um You know, when you come from that size body, as I said, that girl is still screaming in there to get out. So even though I dated a lot in between, you know, I haven't had tons of long relationships. And I do, I've had my moments of when little things have been uncomfortable. It's like, they think I'm fat. Anything that goes wrong, that used to be my first thought. You know, my bum's too big. My this is too this. My jeans aren't this. Like, you know, I should have sat this way so my thigh looks smaller. I mean, very, very loud. But luckily my sponsor has given me a lot of different assignments and gratitude lists to write about my body, which is a very interesting thing to do. But the thing is I'm very I really want to change those things. So I've really worked hard at doing it and Right now, I can't tell you I'm in any serious relationships, but I am dating and I see differences in my behavior. I'm not wearing it so tightly. I think it says, like, in the 24-hour day book, one of the things is, you know, wear the world like a loose garment. So I'm definitely wearing dating more as a loose garment because I didn't grow up having fun that way. Even in England, we don't have proms and that kind of stuff, but I wasn't comfortable with my body. So you know, there are women who will date out there larger. I wasn't comfortable, so it was my choice not to. I can interact and be your friend and everything else. So, but yeah. So it's just it's just through work and being honest with other people and just yeah. So I hope that helps. You summed up everything for me that I wanted know. How did you get to the place where you feel happy? How did I get to the place where I feel happy? Um. I don't know that I was unhappy. I was unhappy with my body, but I—I I, um, definitely things have changed with my family a lot. It's funny, all the things they did to bother me from doing no work—they don't bother me anymore. Um, I liked my work. I think the things that have changed in that respect—I know you asked me the word happy, but I don't overexcel as much as I used to. I can be average and that's okay. You know, I was always the fat girl wants to do your homework for you, helping you do this, do that, do that. I've always had very, very good jobs. Today, I can have a good job, but I don't have to be there 10 hours later than you. I don't have to be there five hours earlier than you. So I, I think more than anything, I've just, you know, God's helped me have a lot more grace and humility and just be comfortable and to learn how to be one of many. It's... It was hard for me always being big, because I will tell you, people treat you differently, or that was my experience. So now, you know, people look at me and who don't know me, and I'm in a normal-sized body. Um, So I think that more happiness has come, you know, with God's help and with all of you, and just trusting more. Um, Because, as I said, I wasn't an isolator. I was always social. I always went out and things like that. So I think it's just been humility has given me more happiness. Thank you so much. What is the difference between a food plan and abstinence, and what is yours? Okay. Um, when I first came in, I had no idea what any of these words meant. I'd already learned your 12 steps. I really didn't want to learn anything else. Um, and I took on what my sponsor did at the time. And then, can I finish answering this? Okay, so my abstinence definitely includes my reading, my reading, writing, and praying for me, it's no flour or sugar because I know what I used to eat huge quantities of, pasta, bread, ice cream, the main components of flour and sugar. And I know that that's that manifestation of analogy that I had to remove those foods completely like an alcoholic. So my food plan really includes most foods. Um, there are certain foods, but I, I don't go out and eat french fries every day of the week. I will have them once in a while. I have between... Three and five meals a day, but my portions are my portions. So when I say, like, maybe I had five meals today, it means I had my fruit that goes with my lunch maybe middle of the afternoon because I'm having dinner 8 o'clock tonight. Um, So I have three, I say three to five meals a day. I don't say two optional snacks. I just call it that. But the portions are the same either way. It's weighed and measured out. And then there are, I don't eat foods that are sexy. I don't eat foods that go on my plate and they start start smiling at me. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't work. And when they start disco dancing, there, you know, it's done. So basically, my food is very, it's very enjoyable. It's nice. You wouldn't eat with me in anything, but if there's just too much sex appeal, can't go there.